people say people in the last couple of days on Twitter are saying you go to Twitter to be angry and go to Instagram to be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that is way too accurate. Hi, and welcome to What's Best for Kids, the podcast that digs deep into what educators wish parents knew about education and what parents wish educators knew about parenting. I'm your host, Rob Copo. I'm the parent of two kids who went to public school, and I've been in public education for more than 25 years as a teacher, coach, and administrator. I'm currently the principal of Torrey Pines High School in San Diego, California, and every day I ask myself, what's best for kids? On today's show, we're going to talk about the recent lawsuit filed by the Seattle School District seeking damages from social media app developers for their impact on teens' mental health. With me today is one of my regular guests, Don Collins, a retired educator and father of two. Hi, Don. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for jumping in uh, quickly on this one. This uh, topic was in the news recently, so I thought we'd uh, get together and try to address it. Published January 10th. Today is January 19th. I jumped in. Yeah. It took us nine <laughs> days to jump on this story, but, you know, we're still here. We're, we're over 50. <laughs> That's true. We yeah. don't jump like we used to. Yeah, there's not a lot of jumping. No. Falling downstairs. <laughs> okay, thanks for bringing that up. I told you that in confidence. <laughs> but I fell down the stairs during winter break. In the rain. In the rain, yes. Trying to keep my cake out of the rain. My laundry that was about to be washed, trying to keep it dry for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, wincing, wincingly forward, wincing forward. So what we're here to talk about today is recently the Seattle School District has decided to sue Meta, the parent company of Instagram and Facebook and uh, TikTok. Snapchat. Do they also own Snapchat? Does anyone have a Snapchat? Uh, Only everybody at every school everywhere, yes. Still? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. You you haven't even been out a year? Well, TikTok. Everyone's TikTok. Yeah, but Snapchat is still the... I would say the primary way for the students to communicate with each other outside of text, Hmm. much more so in in Snapchat even than uh, text. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, people don't communicate. I mean, people communicate their dance moves in TikTok. Right. But not their second get smart disappearing messages. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you who aren't over 50, you're going to have to Google Get Smart. And no, we're not talking about the movie with Steve Carell. We're talking about the uh, 60s sitcom that was a spoof of James Bond starring, and now I've forgotten his name. And I Don I, Adams. Don Adams. Thank you. I'm such a huge fan of the show and still am. Agent 99. Yes. Uh, Revived by Toto. Who was the villain in a... Uh, Ooh. Or was the villainous agency, their version of Spectre? Ah. <sighs> Oh. Didn't know this was going to be a trivia contest. I didn't, and I, and I don't want to, I, you know, you're going to have to delete all the silence. I don't know. It was chaos. Oh, that's right. K-A-O-S. Yeah. What about G.I. Joe's enemy? Cobra. Okay. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, that Did you have the kung fu grip? Uh, I didn't have a lot of G.I. Joe's. I had Big Jim. Oh, Stretch Armstrong? Had Stretch Armstrong and like <laughs> all good Is young this boys, a... I cut them open. <laughs> For the red jelly, what was inside? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. okay. okay, so now we are Gen X uh, right. podcast. We, we've established that. <laughs> so Seattle school Back district. When is, I was a kid, 
we are we have a whole episode called in my day don you should have been there for it but I wasn't invited. So back to the topic at hand. Uh, Seattle's decided to sue these uh, social media platforms for their impact on student mental health and their damages that they're claiming are it's requiring the schools to hire additional mental health support and have additional uh, um, resources for students because of what the mental health issues that these companies and platforms have created. It's a pretty creative way to go after them. And I recently tweeted about this, you know, is this the start of it? Like, are we finally going to start to try to hold companies accountable in a different way other than public shaming? Are we going to actually take uh, legal action the same way, you know, the cigarette companies had to put warning labels on cigarettes and we, you know, went through all those lawsuits. Are we finally going to do something other than just say the schools need to fix this problem that somebody else created? Well, one thing that I think about is uh, <clears throat> they didn't just get the warning labels on the packages against Big Tobacco. There were also billion-dollar decisions against Big Tobacco, which, of course, translated into the minute that tobacco could uh, turn into vapes and turn into all these other um, delivery systems. That's what they did and funded those you know, extensively. Um, to try to escape being a tobacco cigarette and really delivering the same nicotine and addiction. Right. And um, <clears throat> what I know from having uh, at least even five years ago, when we were looking for a nanny, um, I was reading a lot about nannies. And it turns out that in Silicon Valley, most of the nanny agreements have explicit contractual agreements that re forbids nannies from doing screens of any kind in front of the kids, with the kids, around the kids, because those Silicon Valley people know uh, that it's all addictive, that it all creates, um, it's like cotton candy for the brain. Right. You know, um, and the school system accuses social media platforms of increasing student anxiety and depression. And guess what? We know it does. Clinically, research has shown um by every measure, whether you're talking about the increase from G3 to G4, the um, the um, ubiquitousness of, of, of cell phones today compared to 20 years ago or even 15 years ago, um, there's just no question. There's a direct correlation between the two. But proving that direct correlation is exactly caused by social media is going to be, you know, the court, the, the issues at the court. Yeah, that that's the trick. And I, uh, in, in her book, uh, uh, Jean Twenge's book, iGen, she's done a uh, really some brilliant research and connected the data with when the phones are coming out yep. and 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 tracks this uh, very specifically. I don't think her book's getting nearly a, enough attention because I think people are scared that it's true, and mm. we don't want to ad admit it. She's got almost too much data to say, hey, it, it's here. We can see this. At what point are you going to catch up? And that's why I, I tweeted about this. Like, I'm thinking, I think we are finally catching up. We just didn't want to believe it at first. It, it's kind of going back to the, it's the user, not the tool, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and it's ignoring what's underneath it. And cigarettes are the perfect example. And hopefully these lawsuits bring out that other layer that, you know, came out during all of the, the cigarette trials. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, the insider, it goes over mm. it very, very well. Um, but when we get those internal documents and you start looking at 
what they're doing to manipulate increasing levels of mm-hmm. nicotine and denying things or coming out to say how can we you know um, attack these studies or present our own evidence that's different i feel like 10 years from now we're going to look back and say how on earth did we let our sixth grader have one of these well france banned uh, phones in schools uh, countrywide i think it was five or six years ago really yeah oh i didn't know that oh yeah yeah um and and certainly the evidence of the effect of phones is irrefutable like i just don't now at the same time um not everybody that has a phone uses them and it's one of those Mm -hmm. things like i played video games or i watched horror movies or i listened to judas priest or acdc you know i still listen to judas priest and i haven't murdered anybody or you know uh self-term and 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 uh and so that anecdotal evidence of just because i was able to do it and it didn't affect me or the way that i did it um didn't cause irreparable harm to me doesn't mean that as a cultural impact the effect is negative on mental health negative on a depression negative or you know positive in the sense that it increases anxiety um yeah. Isn't that sort of the same yeah, yeah, argument like drunk driving? Well, I drove home drunk and I didn't kill anybody. So what's the big deal? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think the other, you know, the factor is there, there's no singular, um, I have sad news, Alpine Village in Torrance closed. <laughs> really? Yeah, you don't know what Alpine Village is? I do know what Alpine Village you is. You do? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I grew up in Riverside. So we, I, I never went there, but I am aware of its existence. Well, this place has been around, I, I think it was 50 years or, but my, uh, my immigrant Czech grandfather, my immigrant German grandmother, when I would came out to California from Detroit in 85, we went there and had this dark beer, dark bread, roasted duck, Alpine German meal. How old were you? 18. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and and but the whole but the later hosen um uh waiters and uh but there was dancing polka music desserts all sorts of the shop it was uh, i mean they were so happy there the last place i took my aunt who passed away five years ago from san diego i brought her up to up to alpine village to have dessert with my mom why am i talking about this because yes, why? <laughs> <laughs> well you're either gonna cut it or you're gonna love it this is a deep dive <laughs> So things are changing. Society's changing. Culture's changing. Um, the population's changing. And um, like all things, not all change is, I mean, change is inevitable, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's better. And of course, it's one of these full circle things. I mean, here we tore out all the trolley cars and what are we doing over the last 20 years or 30 years, building, putting trolleys all back in, right? right, right. Uh, so they don't work, but we put them in. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it's so interesting. We, you know, hundred years ago, there were lots of systems that worked for our society and we modernized and said, we're going to find better ways. Right. And are they really better? It's certainly more effective. I like that. I mean, I would, would I want to go back to not having a cell phone? No, because I can connect with people. I can communicate with people. It's phenomenally easier to do apps and there's a million reasons why. Does it suck time? Does it enable me to avoid things I don't want to think about or look at or 
you know, those disquieted moments where I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit awkward, or I'd Mm -hmm. have to make small talk with someone in a line at a grocery store. I mean, there's a myriad of ways that I pick that phone up in order to avoid just living life. And I'm, you know, over 50. And I know what life was like before that. Kids today have no sense of what it was to, you know, they've all been grown up on iPads and stuff. And what I hope comes out of this lawsuit or the attention the lawsuit brings, and let's face it, uh, whether the Seattle School District ever sees a dime or anything, I don't think that's their intention. Right. I think their intention is to uh, get attention, which is what we're giving them right now. I think this is how this works. But what I hope really comes out is I, I heard another report where students are now speaking out against the district, saying oh, this course. is you know uh, sort of a, a cynical way to get attention and, and do all this sort of thing, uh, and a way to avoid the fact that they don't have enough social emotional supports on campus. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, got into me. Why is there a, an assumption that the school has enough social emotional supports to support them? when there's this outside thing causing these problems. Right. Well, and again, it's one of those things like um, if all I'm doing is eating sugar all day long and then complaining about why it doesn't, you know, why I'm overweight or why I don't have energy or why I can't sleep or why I have tooth decay or, uh, but I don't want to address the actual root. And the root isn't even really the sugar unless that's the only thing available. And I think that's the challenge is, you know, there's certainly the aspect of what's easily, what, what food's easy to get, plentiful everywhere, fast foods everywhere. I mean, it's all this, the garbage food that's not good for us, um, that's manufactured specifically to be crunchy and salty and sweet and the things our body biologically crave but don't need. Um, and in the same way, the, the these video games, the the all the social media that is so easy and fun but distracting we have to choose i think parents have to choose um certainly teachers have a responsibility within the classroom but there comes a point where every kid's got to own their own life right and that's the place where you know with this the the whole notion of uh, is big tech responsible for youth mental health crisis they certainly contribute. You know, I think I could say that research would suggest that they contribute to mental health issues because of the direct line between, there was a quote in here. I'm going to read it. We said we were going to pull quotes and now I'm going to find it. I had it. Well, you're finding that quote. I'll go over. uh, One of the things that I think is really important to remember here, and we forget sometimes, I think even as parents is that our, our kids are more sophisticated now. Uh, yes. then, you know, I know I was when I was in high school in, in some ways and some other ways they're less sophisticated, Correct. but the, we forget because they can speak so eloquently and seem to have so much knowledge because they have access to everything ever on their phone that their brains are still developing. Mm-hmm. And the research is very clear that they respond to dopamine very differently than you and I do. Correct. So it's that much more addicting when they get the hit of dopamine from whatever's happened, the likes and all that sort of thing. Correct. And so the highs and the lows are going to be higher. And that's science. That's biology. That's the stuff that I really hope comes out about this to flip that switch with all of us who have given our kids phones and for you who are facing that in the next several years, uh, to say, 
your brain isn't ready for this yet, but I'm going to give you now this tool that gives you access to everything, everywhere, all at once. And yes, I just referenced a probably an Oscar nominated film that was excellent, by the way. But, you know, every every porn fetish that's ever been out there. Here you go. Six year old. Here mm-hmm. you go. It's right on your phone. You can find it anytime. We have to accept the fact that that's going to have a negative impact. And we can't turn that around and say the only way to solve that is to get another social worker at a high school. Mm-hmm. Come on, that is that is not the solution to this problem. I agree that it's probably we can't just look and say, okay, TikTok, you're breaking the universe. That's not fair either. Mm-hmm. It isn't in, uh, entirely their fault. But if we can dig down and find that information that yes, you were manipulating this specifically to make it addictive, that isn't healthy. We need to uh, uh, resolve that because we've done it with cigarettes. And we've tried really hard with alcohol. And think about gambling. I mean, yes. there's no clocks in a in a casino. Mm-hmm. Rugs are busy to keep your eye off the floor. Uh, machines have lavender scents that blow out at you if you're at a, on, a, on a slot machine. I mean, right. there's uh, the, the free drinks. There's a million ways. They've, the psychologists have figured out how to keep you trapped on that machine because that's, you know, Las Vegas isn't built on winners. But with cigarettes, you can't advertise on television. We right. have controls on them for right. a reason. Beer, you can't show anybody drinking. Right. You, they can't actually be seen drinking it. We can plaster 12 hours of football coverage with beer ads. <laughs> right. Just don't show anybody drinking it because right. that would be dangerous. <laughs> right. And then you, I mean, oh boy, you ready for a real deep dive? Mm. You're uh, not going to get off topic, are you? <laughs> me? After you I, you were going to look up an article and now we're off in the weeds. All right. Well, let me read this yeah, quote Go back first. to the article. Yeah. Here's the article. Here's the direct quote. In the lawsuit, Seattle Public Schools says the number of students who report feeling, quote, so sad or hopeless almost every day for two weeks or more in a row that they stop doing some usual activities Increased by 30% from 2009 when starts when smartphones gained steam to 2019, 10 years later, by which time they'd become ubiquitous everywhere. 30%, one out of three kids. One out of three kids is saying that I feel so sad or hopeless almost every day for 14 days in a row that I'm not doing something, usual activity that could be brushing my teeth or showering or seeing my friends or walking my dog. I mean, this is really damaging and dangerous. And it's not, you know, I can say that the executives at TikTok aren't directly responsible for Johnny at home not walking his dog. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that parents and and all of us, community leaders, everybody, we've got to think, how can we as a society increase the amount of serotonin feel-good brain chemistry, not dopamine feel-good brain chemistry, because the kids are overloaded on the dopamine and really don't get a sense of serotonin the same way. And I also think about the amount of drug um, abuse happening in the country, increasing every year, uh, drug overdoses. In the last two years, 250,000 people died of a drug overdose which is um, 10 years ago, it was 50,000. Wow. So, um, and now we're almost at 100,000. And it's it was increasing at 5,000 every year, but because of COVID and the pandemic and the shutdown and the increase in fentanyl and right. now this new, uh, I read in the New York Times, a new thing called Trank, which is an animal tranquilizer that's unregulated uh, by the government. It's kind of a gray area. Um, it's what whole, could go wrong with that? Uh, boy, oh boy. Wow. Um, the point is 
that I know <clears throat> from work with the uh, uh, drug addiction centers that crystal meth use, particularly five years of intravenous use or smoking, you know, heavy drug use with crystal meth will literally break the the, the brain to the point where the brain can't um, develop dopamine or serotonin. Right. And whether it's playing with a puppy or looking at flowers or all these natural highs that we're looking at the ocean or looking at the mountains, these things that would normally lift our spirits, people that are, uh, have, have really abused crystal and some other drugs that, that switch in their brain is literally broken. And that's a hopelessness and a, um, a darkness that, you know, the average person never understands. And, when someone who's addicted to drugs has the opportunity to not feel that darkness over days, that's part of the, what the relapse situation is this um, reoccurring brain chemistry issue that I can't stand feeling like this anymore. And I need relief. And I think no different when you unplug a video game from a kid or turn the TV off with a four-year-old, unless there's some understanding, they flip out because you're turning off the juice. Yes. Yeah, you're uh, you're turning off what is making them feel good, and there's going to be a response. Uh, but we have to look at what got us there, and understand. Going back to that brain chemistry piece, so you're talking about what it does to the brain. We know that uh, there's plenty of research that the constant hit of dopamine on a child's brain from the phone that they get is physically changing the shape of their brain. Same way language does in an infant. Right. Uh, all the research they have over um, uh, babies in orphanages who aren't getting the same uh, uh, interaction interaction, and the brain forms differently. And so language is harder and all, all of these things. That's true with phones. So if we can accept that as the adults, because we kind of bring our adult uh, feeling to it, like if we just tell them to stop, that mm -hmm. will somehow solve the problem. They can't. No, you've got a you've got a physical addiction to this. I know all the doctors out there say no, that's not a physical addiction. I have had addiction hit my family. I know the difference, but um, you know what I mean. There's we all feel it when we grab our phones instinctively, whether you call it Pavlov's response or whatever. But every few minutes, we're grabbing it, looking for that little hit, or, we're, mm -hmm. or it's just habit. We've got to connect those two and understand that our twelve year old is not responding the way we are. They can't. Their right. brain works differently. We got to stop um, sort of seeing them as our equals. And it's it, our responsibility as adults, as parents, as teachers, as educators, to have parameters, to have understanding. I mean, the fact is, there is social media, there is the internet, there are, you know, this does exist. I, I you know, I, I, there's no living in a cabin. And, um, but at the same time, how do we do this successfully so that kids are playing sports, that kids are choosing to be outside, choosing to not be glued to video games and, 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 and social media, you know, kids, re the, the number of, of teenagers requiring thumb surgery because of all the texting. You gotta be kidding me. I'm not kidding. Google it. You know, <laughs> but I remembered the thing I wanted to say. Okay. Which is a Before bit of a bird. Well, no, no, you you, you redirected. That right. wasn't a cutoff. Right. Um, English beat the French. Seventeen uh, hundreds. The French have to retreat out of Montreal, or they didn't retreat out of Montreal, but Canada. And the French government uh, offered either the French Indies, the French West Indies, or Canada. Right. 
And in the French West Indies was this huge sugar um, production already happening, all of the industry. And England could have taken this money-making sugar islands or barren tundra, right? Alberta. Uh, no, you take Canada. <laughs> Absolutely take Canada. <laughs> Which was... Un, you know, uncharted. There is the lumber there, but as far as you know, back then. But what happened? Well, the the, the English government, the sugar lobby, which was very strong back in the 1700s, um, blackmail politicians. I mean, all the dirty tricks that were even going on back then. And what a surprise! We they voted to take Canada, and so given the amount of money that Zuckerberg and, and, and Meta and all these social media companies have and the way that we know that politicians end up getting paid off and um, right. influenced or what have you, um, can, can society fight that? Right. I mean, or just like, and the reason I thought about all this is here with these beer ads, okay, you can't drink it, but you can wave it around and still put it on every TV and everywhere. Well, that's because the alcohol lobby is one of the strongest in the country and it has been for a hundred years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and in the end, we have to choose. No different, I think, than how we eat. You can either go to the middle and get all the sugar or you can stay to the outside of the grocery store and get the vegetables and the meat and the eggs and what have you that, that makes sense for your body. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 I think that the 21st century is forcing everybody to choose to be more conscious. The hard part is that you have people like uh, right now accused of, of some really uh, hellacious um, sex trafficking, this Andrew Tate guy who apparently made some real money with computer stuff 20 years ago, but was funding this lavish lifestyle on the backs of women. You know, this is what's alleged that he was, uh, um, you know, getting into this sex trafficking deal, but he's presenting himself as this ultimate alpha male when in reality, what's going on is criminal and, and really horrific. Um, you watched another documentary on Netflix, didn't you? <laughs> Twitter. I, I went down okay. a Twitter a hole. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Um, why do I bring that up? Because some things that are presented at face value aren't necessarily what they are. Yes. And, and, and being able to, and this is what education is about critical thinking. It's about executive function. It's about people coming to, to ask, where's the bias, what's real, you know, and this is getting much harder and harder and harder to both discern and also to agree on, right? Cause already in society in the last 10 years in particular, we don't even have a shared sense of, you know, a lot of definitions or ideas or concepts that are really were fundamentally kind of understood and now are being challenged. And my point is that the, uh, the companies absolutely know what they're doing and could have created products or adjusted their products to support families and kids. Mm -hmm. It's not really that difficult to ask somebody at the AT&T store, who is this phone for? It's for my nine-year-old daughter. Fantastic. Here are the kinds of phones that we recommend, or here's the packages we can put on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about your normal parental controls or anything that you've got on a TV that uh, don't do much. And I know that kids can hack in and get, uh, get beyond it, but we can't 
we can't say, well, some kids can get past it. So we're just not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. If 80% of the kids can get past it, 20% of the kids are in good shape. And I guarantee you that's not, it's going to be the reverse. It's right. going to be 80% uh, of the kids are just not going to hassle with trying to get past all the stuff. The 20 who are going to get past it will, but that still creates this, they're doing something wrong. Generally, kids want to do the right thing. They want to please the parents. And if a parent says, this phone's locked down because we put all this stuff on, we paid for the extra package to make sure it only does certain things. My dad would have died never having worn a seatbelt despite seatbelt laws passing 30 years before he died. Yeah. However, my sister's kids would yell at him to put a seatbelt on. So he finally started wearing a seatbelt, particularly because they were around, you know, he was living near them. My point is there are always going to be those people that aren't going to change. Right. And there are always going to be those people that aren't going to follow. However, if we do nothing, we know nothing's going to change. Exactly. And if we make it really accessible so that parents that aren't tech savvy have the opportunity and ability to choose, I want to limit these things. Uh, that's going to become the norm. And it really is not accessible the way that it could be because they don't want it to be. Um, here's a quote. Okay. It's nearly impossible to sue social media companies over the content on their platforms because of a law known as Section 230, part of the 1996 Communications Decency Act that says tech companies cannot be held liable for what others share on their sites. However, that could soon change. The Supreme Court will hear arguments next month in a case that aims to limit Section 230 and put social media companies' recommended recommendation algorithms front and center. Those recommendation formulas are at the heart of the Seattle Public Schools, too. So, I mean, again, a law written in 1996 that's governing something that, you know... It, <laughs> that's absurd. It is. And that's where they're going to get them because that's where they're going to find the smoking gun documents in there. That says, look, we can't get sued. Okay, mm -hmm. so make this as addictive as possible right. because we've got immunity. That's all going to come out. I guarantee you, there are boxes and boxes of documents uh, that could, uh, you know, and somebody allegedly somebody's going to find them next to their Corvette in the garage. <laughs> and sorry, is it too soon? Too timely a reference? Um, and we're going to find this information out because you're right. A law written about this in 1996. Mm -hmm. The internet had just started. Do you remember how long it took to even get on? Right. Well, <laughs> you know? I will say that I remember the first time I logged on the internet and that, really? uh, you know, you put in the the CD and the zooming uh, kind of galaxy. It was sort of uh, Star Wars-esque. And I remember thinking, God, everything just changed. Like the whole world got smaller. And, you know, 25 years later... It, it's absurd. I mean, modem dial-ups and the, you could barely get in a chat room and type or back and forth right. or maybe use a microphone. Uh, you know, in 1998, I think you could start using a microphone in, in chat rooms. I knew it was going to go south immediately because uh, I was living in New York at the time and had friends here. And this was um, when Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction had just come out and there was an argument over you know, uh, your political affiliation was related to which one of those movies you liked. Oh. And within like three emails back and forth or in a, in a chat, it, it got just ugly. We're yelling at each other. I'm like, 
oh, this is not a good tool. So if we were all sitting around at, at, at panicking at a coffee place, we wouldn't have gotten in this kind of argument. Like, what is it about this very structure that made us go, you're an idiot. And just like, people say, people in the last couple of days on Twitter are saying, you go to Twitter to be angry and go to Instagram to be depressed. <laughs> that is way too accurate. Uh, uh, yeah, well, and I want to read to what I like here uh, is the goal. This is on the um, Seattle District's website. Uh, the goal is not to eliminate social media, but to change how these companies operate and force them to take responsibility. We are asking these popular companies to maximize their efforts to safeguard students who are at their most who are their most vulnerable consumers. I think that's a fantastic statement because, and I fully agree with it because they are saying you're doing this, you're manipulating them, you're hooking them. It's having a negative impact on us, on them. And then the world is asking us as educators to fix it. Right. And, and you know, this is kind of ties into much of what's been going on in the last 30, 40 years in education, where here's another thing that the schools are now responsible for. You know, we're supposed to triage school shooting stuff. They're supposed to um, provide mental health in a way that is just beyond the scope of educating in the classroom. And at the same time, if kids are depressed or so anxious, they can't sit in a chair and pay attention, then uh, it's very hard to educate them. So at some level, uh, we've got all the kids there and it just because it's a convenient, easy place to find kids mm -hmm. and it's necessary to get an education, the real goal would be to not create the conditions that kids are feeling so depressed and anxious However, the, the, the kids alone are not in general going to do that because it's such a challenge to choose not to do video games and to go fish or, to, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. it is that brings long-term pleasure, but maybe like practicing basketball or practicing an instrument. I mean, I had a student who uh, got a full-ride scholarship to England's Royal uh, Academy, pretty amazing. She said she practiced eight hours a day, every day, and felt really awkward and uncomfortable when she didn't have time. To, you know, if she got just four hours in, she'd feel bad. And if she couldn't get it in at all because she had to travel or something, she'd feel really uncomfortable and really have to play hard the next day. That's an abnormal, you know, her, what a surprise her parent, her father was a, a world-class violinist and in a symphony orchestra. So, you know, if you're trained and raised and, and, and conditioned in one way, kids still have the capacity today like they did in the 17 or 1600s. Our brains aren't that different yet. Um, but what about a hundred years from now? Right. You know, and the other thing I wanted to say was when you were talking about what you were just talking about, I was thinking about Oprah and uh, I, truthfully, I think about Oprah all the time. Well, but, who doesn't? <laughs> but what I was thinking about was there was a time when Oprah used to be really, uh, it went for the negative. You know, this was back in, yeah. the, she started with when Jerry Springer was going on and Jerry, 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 he was really going for the bottom. Um, and, uh, and in fact, how dare you, sir? Well, I, I'm, what I'm I, kidding, but, but I mean, there were people that were accused of acting, right? I mean, I think mm -hmm. it's pretty well known that people, you know, the stories weren't even true, <gasps> but they were presented as true. And at the time, just like wrestling being fake, I mean, I, they were so outlandish. However, there was never, there was no, um, acknowledgement that it, they were being fake. It wasn't like these are role-playing people or what have you. And so the, you know, that whole issue, people were fighting for, for eyeballs. 
but there was a point where Oprah, after she had gained a lot of um, popularity, decided she didn't want to do that anymore. But she could make that choice because now she had lots of eyeballs. And when she stopped doing it, then guess what? There were people behind her that needed the eyeballs. And so they went to the lowest common denominator, just like the Romans had the gladiators. And, you know, we've always had this desire for low comedy or what have you. Uh, well, um, exploitation, you know, and the, the scintillating, titillating Real exploitation wives. to yep. stand back and watch somebody else go through something. It's drama. Yeah. Right. I right. mean, this is like a, you know, having taught middle school at somebody else's expense though. Right. You know, right. There, there's a, I, I don't think want there my is a drama piece there. And, and to your point, what you're talking about is, um, Oprah realized that she had a bigger impact than just getting ratings right that she was having a cultural impact right and she uh, accepted that responsibility changed the focus of the show as many shows did yep uh and to go in uh, the positive so that she could change that impact rather than just try to get a market share correct that's it's funny because that's part of what the seattle suit is about and this is what they wrote in here um what is the seattle public schools uh seeking in this complaint the district is seeking two forms of recovery. One, to stop social media platforms' intentional and harmful practices targeting youth. And two, to provide the additional resources needed to meet the increased mental health needs of SPS students due to the negative impacts of social media use. So they're trying to get them to have their Oprah moment and accept the fact, okay, you've had worldwide sales. You've got uh, you know thousands of billionaires uh, working for your companies now. Um, so... You, you've made your money. So can mm -hmm. we find a way to maybe put this genie back in the bottle or at least down the road fix it? Where I think they're running into an interesting one here that's going to get really tricky is now they're saying, okay, you created this problem. You're going to have to help pay for us to solve it. And I don't know, I mean, maybe you know more about this, but that's kind of like telling the, uh, the cigarette companies they got to start funding hospitals or, you know, the alcohol mm -hmm. companies to be funding AA and recovery programs. And I'm that that's that's a tougher uh, nut to crack, I think, for them. Well, based on the article, it also kind of suggests that they don't Seattle doesn't necessarily expect to win as much as right. to open the door. I mean, their intention, you know, this is the first of many things that will follow uh, to try to shift what's happening. Well, it, it also sounds like this is almost a. Uh, uh, a settlement, a pre-settlement agreement, like, Hey, right. You know, <laughs> if this, this whole thing can go away, if you decide you're going to take your billions of dollars and start funding our uh, districts all over the country with mental health supports, this right. could be a win. And we all know they could do that tomorrow. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting play and we're gonna, I'm going to be following this one closely because I've been kind of waiting for this moment to happen, especially after reading Gene Twangy's book. And seeing all the research, and she's not alone. I keep, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been lucky enough to meet her. We had her speak at Tory a few years ago before the pandemic and um, had my whole team read her book. And so I, mm -hmm. I know I come back to her, but she's not alone. There are others doing this, this work as well. Um, there's another great book called um, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind that goes over this as well and shows this timeline of as these technology pieces, advance. Uh, in, in particular, the cell phones and smartphones advance and the impact it has had on us. My danger with it, though, where I, I get really 
and comfortable and was thinking about this over winter break is typically over winter break, I go home and I start reading a lot more because I've got more time. And that usually leads to, okay, well, I need a little mental candy. So I'll go read some comic books and I'll get back into comic books for a while. Found myself walking around a comic book store over break and bought a couple again. And it reminds me of how comic books were blamed for a lot of this back in the day. Uh, there were school policies about it. There were books written about it that comic books were leading to all of these problems and depression and, and violent behavior and all that. So I get sometimes a little uncomfortable, like, okay, are we doing it again? Are we finding the next boogeyman? Is it after Columbine or is, is it, remember they were goth. That was the problem. Um, like you said, you've been listening to a pretty yeah. serious heavy metal your entire life and you've <laughs> never right. been violent ever. Right. Um, so I, I'm a little worried about that, but I do think this one's different because of the biological reality. And that's what I hope comes out in the documents right. about that dopamine hit, because there right. isn't a dopamine hit reading a comic book in the same way you get from a cell phone. And my mom was adamant that I don't care what you read. If you're reading, I'm happy. And yeah. when I go back and look at comic books, there was a lot of reading. Sure. There were the pictures, but there was a lot of reading and, um, and there was also a lot of imagination. Right. And there was yeah. a lot of imagination afterward, you know, that it was fueled by maybe the images or the, or the, the story, but it, it is not in any way. I mean, the content creators certainly are, are, are challenged, you know, they're, they're being creative. They're being, they're creating dances. They're maybe doing exercises or doing these things, but for the, for, for the receiver, for the, the viewer, um, particularly as you're just flipping through story after story after story, you know, and your brain is getting all these images that is um challenging for, for for it's challenging for an adult and and i read a long time ago a study about um that the average person ends up with 45 minutes of scrolling before they go to bed mm -hmm. and then their brain gets tired and i am shocked every time i look at what time i'm going to go to bed if i've started to do that it's almost always a 45 minute go down twitter look at the you know facebook or whatever it is um and, uh, and it's I brain think, chemistry. I think the counter argument would, would be exactly what you just brought up, that um, there is a tremendous amount of creativity in TikTok. For sure. It, it's put it in the hands of everyday people and not media um, companies. Right. And just people who have gotten incredibly creative with what they do around the house. That is a good thing. And so I'm in this lawsuit, I think, I feel like they've lumped in TikTok just because it's the latest. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not... I, I don't see nearly the negative impact from watching short videos other than the attention span piece. I mean, right. that's certainly a problem that, that I see with, uh, say, Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, even, even though we know our kids aren't using Facebook, from that high and low of the, you know, as they say, the saying goes, if you want to be miserable, compare yourself to others. Mm -hmm. And that's all of these that's all these social media apps do. Right. And I think TikTok does contribute to that as I'm talking myself through this because you watch TikTok, and a lot of the TikToks are how tos, or here's my house, or here's what I do, here's how I'm better than you, and, and that does create. Uh, so even though you've got some incredible creativity, right. it's then reminding you that you aren't that creative, right? And and there is that brain thing that wants us to go back and and hooks us and keeps us hooked to looking at to compare myself of what I'm not or what I want to be, and if it's motivational and brings you up, that's awesome. But if it's bringing you down and you're still doing it, how do you wake up to that? Um, and unlike a comic book, when I read a comic book, I don't look at it and go, wow, that guy makes me feel bad at my, uh, about myself because I can't draw. 
This is a professional artist writer who got a job working for DC or Marvel. Mm-hmm. That's a whole, like, I just stand back and, and respect that. Just like somebody who makes movies or television or something like that versus a TikTok where it's just somebody in their house. Like, mm-hmm. why did that normal person like me do something better than me? <laughs> you know, versus like, there's some detachment with a comic book. But when you look at somebody on Instagram, I'm like, why did they think to do that in San Diego this weekend? And I didn't think to do that in San Diego this weekend. I did yard work. Right. You know? Uh, and I'm even thinking about like LinkedIn. I mean, they've got all, you, you used LinkedIn, to just, well, we're going to bring LinkedIn into this conversation. Let me say you this. You know, we're going to get emails. The second <laughs> you said LinkedIn, I got five emails. <laughs> why? Because <laughs> LinkedIn sends like a thousand emails like every 12 seconds. Check your spam folder. You'll have a hundred emails from LinkedIn. I guarantee you. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to this. The the you have a new contact. Um, I haven't updated this since the nineties. But they, they they move. I mean, it's hard to find jobs on LinkedIn because there's so much story on LinkedIn. Mm. I mean, it's turned into a new social media platform with all the motivational quotes and For all the, the plus seventy crowd like. <laughs> Are you checking your LinkedIn? Do we need to have a, an intervention? No, I don't check my LinkedIn. But when I want to look at stuff, I'm, I was shocked at how much of, uh, you know, you can start following people and they're following stories. And it's another way to try to get your attention. And I think one of the things that I read 20 years ago that was so, um, gosh, it was just so spot on. You know, we had this, uh, we had the agricultural age for 6,000 years, and then we had the industrial age, and then we had the computer age, or or we had the space age, then the computer age. And now, I I don't remember who said it, but someone said that we're now in the age of attention. Mm. That the real commodity, the real, is our ability to, who gets our attention? And, and, And right now, as a culture, we're being raised to give it away at every turn. And to keep none of it for ourselves, yeah. And 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 then we wonder why we're unhappy. We wonder why we're depressed. Exactly. When I'm constantly using my attention to look at what you have and I don't, or why you're like this and I'm like that, and wonder why there's internet bullying and all these aspects. When this this, how can I be in myself and pay attention to my experience rather than being distracted from it? And the truth is, it's hard. It's hard to wait in line and be around strangers and feel that small bit of awkwardness. But rather than turn the awkwardness into, hey, you're my neighbor or geez, I saw you at the post office five minutes ago or all those little connections that we have that make us feel like we belong to a community and feel more connected and happier, we pick up our phone and compare ourselves to some person in New Zealand or whatever and wonder why I'm not like this and don't have a stake in front of me. Right. And on our next podcast, it's going to be why your middle schooler is addicted to LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> Cannot believe that made it into the conversation. Thank, thank me later. <laughs> this is why I paid the big money. Yes, the big zero dollars. Uh, well, again, uh, we will keep following this case. I'm sure we will revisit this as it uh, continues because I'm very curious about the research that's going to come out what uh, potential settlement agreements might be reached and what the statements are going to be from the social media companies. Cause this is going to be a heck of a dogfight. Cause uh, Seattle's a big deal. They got 50,000 kids in that district. And uh, I think they 
considering they're so connected to the tech world, right. I think they are a bit of a canary in the coal mine and I give them credit for being this bold. So it's going to be a really interesting story to watch. So I hope you come back so we can talk about it again. Happy to be here. Just don't bring up LinkedIn. <laughs>